Welcome to Music Fools Crack the Beat. I'm Jacob Mayer, and I'm here with my co-host, Tom Shanahan. Welcome, everybody. In this podcast, we research a piece of music from the perspective of a musician and a dancer. Today, we're going to talk about Down by the Riverside, an old American song. Take it away, pops. I'm gonna lay down my sword and shield Down by the riverside I'm gonna lay down my sword and shield Down by the riverside I'm gonna study Study one or more One or more I ain't gonna study one or more I'm gonna study That was Louis Armstrong in 1958. Wow, what a great recording. That is a super recording. So this is, what's the song? Is Down by the Riverside. So the first recording was in 1920 and released in 22. It was released by these guys called the Fisk Jubilee Singers. They were a group from Fisk University, which was founded in 1871. And that is an interesting university in American history because... That was the first university to offer a liberal arts education to people irrespective of colour. And the singers were formed in 1871 to raise money for the university because the university wasn't doing uh, so well. Yeah, and they've had, they've had, they did quite well. Um, some noted things here is that they sang for the uh, president of the United States in 19, 1872. And they went to Europe. They did a European tour in 73, 1873. And they sang for the Queen, Queen Victoria. Oh, wow. Crossing the ocean to sing for the Queen. Absolutely. And that, that was to raise money. That tour in particular, the European tour, the money they raised from that helped build the Jubilee Hall, which is still there today. So the song, okay, there's a publication here now. I'm not, we're not exactly sure of this because it was, we couldn't, or I couldn't find it anyway. But the publication is by the Road Heaver Company in Chicago. And so the first time that the melody or the song was written down, down by the riverside, was in 1918 in Plantation Melodies, a collection of modern, popular and old time Negro songs of the Southland. So that that was the publication that was first written down. Now, again, the history of the song is hazy. But then in 1920, these Jubilee singers, they did the first recording and it was released then in two years later for some reason. Well, you know, one consideration is I'm, I'm sure just the industry and the way records were produced and put out and recorded was very different at that time. I mean, this is still early recording era, right? Yeah, 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 exactly, exactly. So like the recording quality wouldn't have been uh, as good as it is now or even like 30 years later, there would have been huge improvements. So what can we expect from this early recording of Down by the Riverside? I'm, I'm wondering... Mm. I'm guessing it's not going to sound like Armstrong's recording. No. So, a few things. We can expect no instruments. Mm. We can expect uh, just singers. Mm. Uh, it has more of a kind of a spiritual, and it's more like a hymn, kind of in presentation. Uh, I don't know. What else can we expect, Jacob? Do you have any other thoughts on that? Yeah, it's you know, it's a slower pace. It's, yes. I mean, it's a much slower version of the song definitely like a hymn presented more like a hymn and 
I believe that the Fisk Jubilee singers are a quartet, so they're trying to harmonize in four-part harmony. Yes. So let's uh, let's let's take it away, Fisk. I noticed something, Tom, that I hadn't thought about when we were Mm -hmm. researching earlier. Listening now to Armstrong and Mm. Fisk back to back, I do notice a connection in that, you know, you have Mm. the solo voice and then the group joining in. And there's a a bit of a Uh, play between the solo vocalist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And in the Armstrong version, he's got a choir and he's the solo vocalist. So there is that. Oh, that's a nice connection. Cool. I'm gonna lay down my sword and shield down by the river. Cool. It's an interesting lyric there that in that uh, they lay down their sword and sheet down by this riverside. So, you know, we're laying down our sword and sheet to kind of perhaps give up the soldier's life. An interesting lyric from that, at least, anyway. It's kind of the the theme, one of the themes of the song. So, Tom, in the spirit of spirituality and spirituals, we're going to move towards gospel. It's a genre of music, Christian music, that can be traced back hundreds of years. But uh, when we're talking about gospel, or when I talk about gospel here, I'm talking about the music that developed from secular blues and sacred religious texts. It really developed in the late 1920s and 30s in the context of African-American music and Baptist music Mm -hmm. in in America, right? So early gospel is often attributed to uh, Thomas Dorsey. Well, if you see my Savior, tell him that your soul, that your soul, when your soul be Not to be confused, of course, with Tommy what? Dorsey, the, the trombone player. <laughs> <laughs> they are different people. I think, if I remember right, I don't have this in my notes, but I believe Thomas Dorsey, uh, the quote-unquote father of gospel mm-hmm. music, he's often attributed, yeah, uh, that title, yeah. given that that title, yeah. But he, uh, I think his middle name is Andrew, if I remember correct. And so sometimes people go with Thomas Andrew. Dorsey oh, okay, from the trombonist. Very good. But yeah, he's he's often given credit for that. And in the 1930s, just gospel really became very big, bigger and bigger, and was kind of spread around, especially in the Baptist community. And Rosetta Tharp is considered one of the first really commercially successful gospel mm-hmm. recording artists. Her music combines powerful vocal, spiritual lyrics and pioneering guitar techniques. Little Richard, Elvis, Johnny Cash 
all these guys, uh, Chuck Berry, they've all considered her a major influence. So she's a big rock influence. She's like her the guitar playing, godmother her of, singing. of rock and roll, I suppose, in some sense. Mm. Yeah, a lot of people, a lot of people uh, view her that cool. way. So yeah, for me, she's a very exciting figure. So here we go. Rosetta Tharp and Lucky Melinder performing Down by the Riverside. I feel so bad in the morning. In the morning. I feel so bad in the middle of the day. I feel so bad in the evening. That's why I'm going to the river. Wash my sins away. I'm going to lay down my heavy load. Down by the riverside. Down by the riverside. Down by the riverside. I'm going to lay down my heavy load. Down by the riverside. Study war no more. I ain't going to study war no more. No, I ain't going to study war no more. No, no, I ain't going to study. I really like her singing. I actually prefer to Lewis's. Um, she has um, a very um, a song that dancers use. Dancers have used. Uh, I know in Cork, uh, it's called "Shout Sister Shout." It's a great song to dance to because it has a very steady beat. And if you compare that to her "Shout Sister Shout," it's um, there's a remarkable difference between the two. A reason to dance, a reason to sing, but there ain't no reason why a band can't swing. Uh, so it was really nice to actually hear her do something with, uh, with Lucky Millinder or Lucius Venables Millinder, as he was known. Oh, wow. Oh, I, I didn't I, know I that was his name. <laughs> yeah, I, I like her singing too. And uh this recording was apparently uh recorded live for a 1944 broadcast for the u.s it has that life about it doesn't it yeah so i just want to do a quick rundown on the different sections of this piece i didn't play through the whole thing it's a long piece i break this piece okay. down into eight parts there's uh, an mm -hmm. instrumental intro then there's a second section where the instruments really jump mm -hmm. in and play the whole theme then there's a vocal in intro, and the vocal intro is where our cool. clip started from. And after the vocal intro, we have a verse one mm -hmm. to a chorus. Then mm -hmm. we have a guitar solo, a saxophone solo, our verse two and chorus. And then we have kind of a long outro chorus. And so those are our main sections. I just want to go back and replay the vocal That's intro. Good. I feel so bad in the morning. In the morning. I feel so bad in the middle of the day. Yes. I feel so bad in the evening. In the evening. That's why I'm going to the river. 
These lyrics are something that don't show up in a lot of the other recordings. This is kind of particular to her version of the song. And that's a, a fun thing about this song that a lot of people have put their own lyrics in and changed it around. She does it a little differently, though, because she puts it kind of just before she gets it. She puts it as a, like a, a, a prelude to, to the actual main melody. You know, I view it as her really contextualizing the piece mm. in a different way than, you know, other people have done it uh, by adding that in. What do you think about that? The I feel so bad in the morning. I feel so bad in the middle of the day. I feel so bad in the evening. So I'm going to I the river it, to it wash kinda, my sins away. I think it kind of fits in with the song because when I see that, just thinking now, she feels so bad in the morning, middle of the day and evening. It's like she's full of sin, like this original sin. And so she's going to wash her sins away. She's going to baptize herself and, and purify herself. Do you, have an, do you have another reading? I also see the second sort of interpretation as, you know, this is a song, an upbeat song that you want to dance to that's been created for the troops to bring them energy and power and like being presented mm, out in a mm, club mm. or something like that. It's, it's meant to be mm. a popular song. So I tend to see this as maybe things are tough all through the day and then in the evening we're going out to dance to get rid of that sort of frustration our our we're sins of the day our frustrations of the day we're, we're going gonna, to we're a club them out of us is kind of it has sort that, of how uh, i see it it, it kind of has it's a, it's a very it's a swing number lucky millinder who was a swing artist back in the 30s and 40 you no know, back in the 40s so you know it has that feeling about it definitely in terms of the music and the energy behind it but what I find interesting is if you listen to a lot of lyrics of upbeat songs, they're actually quite, uh, they can be either very religious or quite risque. And you're like, oh, I never knew that song was about that. <laughs> you know, whereas you're just, you're just listening to the melody <laughs> yeah. and you're having a great time, you know. And then they could be talking about, you know, mm -hmm. like Mac the Knife. Let's just go and kill a few people. Hey! <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> so it's like, yes, yes. <laughs> it's an interesting though. Yeah, giving it that upbeat feel, maybe putting it to some context yeah, and kind of rethinking yeah. the interpretation a little bit helped, helps the song make more sense. Another one that kind of comes to mind is Long White yeah. Robes, right? That could just as well be dressing yeah. up nice and going out. So there are a lot of kind of Get overlapping married, interpretations there, robes. I think. Which is actually Get another married. interpretation. There's going to be a little, little nuggets there for people to hold in their head for later. <laughs> Mm. Yeah, let's so, go. Tom, let's go. I want to move on and play the first okay. verse and I, I have a couple of small comments about that. So let's let's listen to that. Verse one of Tharp. I'm going to lay down my heavy load down by the riverside. Down by the riverside. Down by the riverside. I'm gonna lay down my heavy load down by the riverside. Study war no more. So in that mm. verse one, Tom, I want to really emphasize two little points there. So one of the things that she does here, she really energizes the melody through using different kind of ornaments. 
syncopated accents that drive the melody and we have an example of that here on the word load yeah, I'm going to lay down my heavy load. so she does a little ornament on load where she changes uh, changes the pitch of the note and she does it on not on the main beat but she does it on an off beat so how, how do you mean sorry she doesn't do it on the main beat I would call it say it's on the upbeat on the end of one, like, or on the end of, I'm not sure off the top of my head which number. Lay down my heavy load. Ah, it's on yeah, an okay, upbeat. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah, I'm going to lay down my heavy load. So that creates the syncopation, right? She's making an emphasis on the upbeat rather than on the main beat. The other one is on Study War No More when she does her cadence. When she reaches the end of the line, she creates a kind of suspension. Uh, on more where she holds over tension of a note when she while she's actually moving on to another chord yeah so you can hear that there there's just a couple quick uh examples of vocal ornaments. does that it does add a certain uh, excitement interest to the song it really does uh, do you have any other comments about her her singing because it's really she does a really great job. Um, it, for sure. No, I think what you said there really kind of like lends itself to kind of her fishing in with a uh, that kind of swing feel, especially with the syncopations. You know, mm. we, we would talk about this a lot in, in swing mm. music and dance because it's highly syncopated music. Um, and then that load point about suspending is kind of cool too, where she's kind of holding it and then dropping a little later than the melody is. I'm filled with awe. <laughs> so some of her prominent influences that are believed to be her biggest influences are her oh. mother's mandolin playing and you know she toured with her mother as a you know, her mother played with an evangelistic mm -hmm. troupe so she toured with her mother and uh she grew up playing acoustic guitar and her mom played mandolin then also there's a well-known uh blind female pentecostal gospel singer and piano player uh, her name is arizona mm. drains and Tharp specifically has referenced her as uh, a, a big influence, and she grew up actually hearing Arizona Drains play. It's believed that maybe some of her piano playing technique is what has inspired the kind of solos. I see you, you kind of like uh, made a note here that she was a piano player that incorporated boogie and ragtime into her music, which I thought was interesting. Yeah, yeah. She's considered a big influence. So let's listen again to the guitar yeah. solo. What yeah, do you yeah, think? let's do that. That's a great example of her pushing something forward. The way she's playing the guitar there, she's really asking the dancers, 
because this is a swing number, so it's, it's for dancers primarily, to really push forward, to swing, to move forward in a forward direction when she's going to da 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 One of the characteristic things that I hear is she has these repetitive licks, and then she plays a little bit of melody, then she goes back and does a repetitive lick. And that reminds you of something. <laughs> a famous song from Back to the Future by Michael J. Fox. Not, not Chuck Berry. <laughs> by Chuck Berry. Towards the end of the Johnny Be Good solo, you hear that rep, that repetitive kind of lick or riff uh, that uh, where he stretches the note. Yeah, he's kind of doing a repetitive thing where he stretches the note and he plays, stretches the note, and then has a lick that he kind of ends the solo with. And you know, Tharp does that kind of exact same type of thing. Just, just, just taking her off. That's all he's doing. Totally unoriginal, Michael J. Fox. <laughs> Chuck Berry, the great Chuck Berry. What are you talking about, Tom? That's a great scene in that movie. <laughs> they all just look at him as if, you know, he's played some dreadful music. <laughs> it's so funny to compare sort of uh, what future technology might look like, all those so, kind of things. I love so that. Because it's passed. The year has yeah, passed. So it's like pretty 20, bad, right? What year was this supposed to be? 2015 or something like that? 2014? But the year has passed. I don't remember. Like, so <laughs> it was a couple of yeah. years ago, I think. And if you see like their sequels, their sequels with the future technology, oh my gosh, where they like go to the future. Let's back up here and return to our topic so that at was, hand. That was the great uh, Chuck Berry playing Johnny B. Good. And before that was our, the, the even greater, the godmother of rock and roll, Rosetta Tharp. I think we're gonna we're gonna end this one there this is our first installment of a three-part series where we take a couple different looks at down by the riverside yeah and if you want to get in touch we have a gmail account which is jacob and tom's podcast at gmail.com you can find us on facebook if you're a facebook user yeah we'd love to hear from you yeah and we're gonna end this with the great jimmy lunsford featuring the dandridge sisters titled Ain't Gonna Study War No More in 1940. And on that note. I'm gonna try on my long white robe down by the riverside down by the riverside I'm gonna try on my long white robe down by the riverside. Ain't gonna study war no more.
Hey.